Hello and welcome to Quiz Time India. This week on the show we have Sudhir Pai. The car managed to turn many more heads than ever before. The London public loved this creature. It became so popular. I actually thought you'd break into the song. Okay, the way you built it up. I won't put our audience through that. Not yet, at least. A radio commentator's seating position would be fairly. It wasn't. So put on your thinking caps and fasten your seat belts. The show is about to begin. Welcome welcome to Quiz Time India India's first quizzing and trivia podcast. Did you know there are two words in English that rhyme with purple? One is kerpel which is a strap passing under a horse's tail and the other is hurple which means to walk along dragging one leg behind the other. If you like such rhyming and colorful facts you have come to the right place the right podcast quiz time india first up to begin the episode i'd like to thank all the people who have donated to the podcast in the last week nishchal majar pratyayan dasgupta and all the anonymous users you all have been an excellent audience i couldn't have asked for anything better Remember just like these folks you can support us by contributing to the podcast you can donate to keep the show running you can go to www.instamojo.com/@studio41 or you can go to www.paypal.me/studio41pod contribute whatever amount you like no amount is less and every penny counts links are in the description Before we go any further there has been a pending audience question Yogesh Tolani was on the show and this was his question So Ponamu P O U N A M U several types of hard and durable stones which are found in New Zealand mainly So geologically they're made of nephrite jade and are green in color Okay so they play an important role in the local culture and they're carved basically into blades called adze which are made for carving wood or chisels which are called wow w h a o or pendants or amulets called haitiki or fishing hooks called matao and many many other tools similar to that my question is which oscar nominated movie had a ponamu amulet at the heart of its story and the correct answer was the disney movie moana The movie came out in the year 2016. Dwayne the Rock Johnson played or rather voiced a character and if I'm not mistaken Lin-Manuel Miranda did the music. Now to this week's episode. This week on the show we have Sudhir Pai. Sudhir is an advertising professional by day and well rest of his time is spent quizzing or at least as much as possible he tries to quiz and quizzing for him was merely an extracurricular activity that he enjoyed while in school but it became more than just a hobby during his engineering days in Manipal and then as his career brought him to Hyderabad and then to Mumbai he imbibed the quizzing cultures of those two cities thanks to K Circle and the Bombay Quiz Club and even today he says quiz clubs are his favorite form of social networking so on that note Sudhir Pai and to all the listeners welcome to Quiz Time India So hello and welcome to Quiz Time India. As always, I have an interesting guest with me, a guest with whom we will be sharing questions with, with whom we will be sharing trivia with. And today with us we have Sudhir Pai. Sudhir, welcome to Quiz Time India. Hello Aditya, and uh, I'd really start by congratulating you guys for doing such a fantastic job. You're doing a great service to quizzers everywhere. that is uh, music to my ears is all what i'll call it and uh, it's good to have quizzes in fact from all over the country from all uh, different backgrounds onto one medium to celebrate quizzing or knowledge or whatever you want to call it and uh, with that uh, shall we start the episode absolutely so for your benefit and for the benefit of those listeners who are joining us for the first time i'll quickly rattle off the rules the rules are quite simple sudhir and i we both have a set of questions ready with us 
These are questions, interesting questions with interesting trivia behind them. And we will take turns asking each other these questions. After the question is done, the other person has to guess as to what the answer is. If the other person stumbles at any point, Quizmaster can give them as many hints as required. This is not at all competitive. This is totally a casual affair. And uh, for the listeners and for Sudhir, what I would request is uh, just sit back, relax, listen to the stories and enjoy the show. Does that work, Sudhir? Yes, I'm ready. Great. So, Sudhir, as is the tradition on the podcast, I will start out with the first question. So, we're talking about a particular word and its origins. I love these questions where... You know, etymology comes into place because it's not just about uh, languages and linguistics. It goes into history and politics and a whole lot of different things. So, this particular word came into English language after a certain creature was introduced to the London public. The London public loved this creature. It became so popular that its likeness showed up on everything from coffee to soap. So, people in London, they saw this creature. It was the talk of the town, is what I'll call it. Basically, from coffee shops to people selling soaps, they just started putting this creature on top of everything. Okay. Now, we don't know for sure where does this uh, creature's name come from. But there are two very educated guesses we have. One is the creature was named either after the Swahili word for chief. Okay. Or after a popular Swahili greeting. So there are two possible candidates where this creature got its name. One is a Swahili word for chief, as in a chieftain, as a leader. And the other is a popular Swahili greeting. Okay. Now, what happened is, the name of this animal then had a very etymological journey of sorts, where its name got associated with its present meaning looking at the size of this creature or the animal. Okay. So, we had one creature which showed up in London. And uh, if I have to give you a timeline, the year is 1861. Wow. When the animal came to London. I see. This animal showed up in London. People were obsessed with this animal. And this animal's name, we think, came from the Swahili word for either a chief or a greeting. And that was the name of the animal. But with time, the name of this animal ended up getting into the English language where it started describing, talking about the size of this animal. Okay. Okay. So, one of the things you said was uh, the name comes from Swahili. Yes. So, Swahili, uh, south of Africa. So, an animal that is endemic to that region. And... uh, It's a popular animal and now it's somehow associated with, as in in the normal usage. Yeah. uh, We probably use it as a simile for size. Would that be? Yes, that is uh, an apt way of describing it. Okay. So, uh, well, I will go for a wild guess since we are talking about the wild. Mm Uh, would it simply be the elephant? So yes, it was an elephant. You are right. So it was in uh, 1861 that an elephant showed up in London. And uh, it was uh, quite a sight for uh, people in London. And it showed up in everywhere uh, on coffee houses and on uh, you know soap bars. Wow. <laughs> but that is not Swahili word oh. for chief. Or the greeting. I see. Oh. What we're talking about is the elephant's proper name of or basically the elephant's name with which it went. So it wasn't just an elephant. It was something the elephant. And that name has entered up in our normal lexicon. I see. I think I misinterpreted uh, the question. I thought that's why I, one of the reasons I was a little reluctant is because I thought maybe the origins of Elephant, the word came from Swahili, which Uh, I was a little... No, I actually don't know where uh, the word elephant comes from. (laughs) Okay, going back to the drawing board now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said size and also... Okay, now we know that the animal is the elephant. Yes. 
सो द फर्स्ट वर्ड दैट कम्स टू माई माइंड इज प्रॉब्ली जम्बो द वर्ड जम्बो या जम्बो वुड ऑल्सो बी यूज एज अजेक्टिव फॉर समथिंग लार्ज so the swahili word for chief is jumbe Ooh. and the swahili greeting is jambo so we don't know for sure which one it is is it jumbe which became jambo or is it jambo which became jambo but one of the two words probably got in and the elephant was called jambo his name was jambo and it was in pt barnum circus and slowly the name jumbo seeped into english language and it started describing things which were rather huge in size at times even leg spinners from south india <laughs> and that is yeah That's so that is how the word question. jumbo comes into the english language and talking about pt barnum uh, pt barnum was uh, this uh, circus owner quite a famous figure i think hugh jackman played him in a recent movie if i'm not mistaken yes yes in his circus it used to pull a be like a crowd puller and there used to be thousands of like at least not thousands but a lot of people would show up and there would be an issue about crowd control so to deal with that what he started doing inside his circus he put up a huge sign saying see the egress and pointing people basically outside the circus area people thought there is an animal that they would be able to see but the word egress actually means exit so to get people wow. out of the circus what he just made them see the egress and they went outside <laughs> so but yeah that is the story of uh, jumbo uh, from what we know jumbo was uh, a tiny elephant when he came uh, to london his uh, mom probably did not make it somehow they got him all the way from uh, ethiopia or sudanese border is where they found him shipped him off to europe put on display and had a life of his own in london zoo and what not and uh, so you were absolutely correct that is the right answer it was an elephant and the elephant was called jumbo what a beautiful question and a brilliant start <laughs> so now it's your turn to ask me a question and hopefully i'll be able to crack it let's see how it goes <laughs> Yeah I hope uh, you've set a really high bar already with the first question I hope I can at least entertain you definitely So here's a bit of a story mm-hmm. So there's this gent named Chandrashekar Narvekar who was a Bollywood director more popularly known as N Chandra So uh, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry Uh, I didn't know Anchandra that was his full name I know the name Anchandra but I didn't know <laughs> yeah. the name was what did you mention the name Chandrashekar Narvekar okay something let I learned already <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one day Chandra summons Lakshmikant Pyarelal and Javed Akhtar mm-hmm. because uh, the two were struggling to come up with a song for his 80s bollywood flick hmm So his idea was to you know have a jam session and maybe something can come up with a meeting. Mm-hmm. So and this was quite a struggle because it went on for days and weeks and no progress was made. Mm-hmm. Uh finally Lakshmikant Pyarelal came up with a tune. Fair enough. To help Javed Akhtar Lakshmikant Pyarelal wrote some dummy lyrics. Mm-hmm. But these dummy lyrics were nothing but a set of variables okay which he expected javed akhtar to replace mm-hmm. okay just to give you an example he he just said okay the tune is da 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 whatever it is and the lyrics are xyz or something to that effect okay it was mm-hmm. a list now javed akhtar obviously very early in his career as a songwriter he was earlier more popular as a screenplay writer mm-hmm. used as genius and used those very variables to write a song hmm and this song became such a rage because of the simplicity of of the song you know the lyrics were hmm. so simple that even kids knew what what it was all about yeah so identify this song hmm which also you know in its lyrics uh gives to the effort that went into making it and would aptly end up as the number one chart buster of that year Interesting. You know when you mentioned N Chandra, yeah, I know only two movies which N Chandra has made at least from the top of my mind. One is a movie called Style which came out in mid 2000s. I don't know why I remember that movie, <laughs> but it had a song which went style <laughs> mein rehne ka and what not. 
and one other one is uh, Anil Kapoor, Madhuri Dixit, and Chunky Pandey film Tezab from the late 80s. So I started at Tezab, and then all the hints started to fall into place. Okay. Uh, you mentioned uh, the song was uh, had dummy lyrics. So what I'm assuming is uh, what Lakshmi uh, Pyare did was uh, put just numbers in place on the tune. Okay. And what Javed Akhtar did is create a song around those numbers. So it must be that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. And uh, thus Madhuri Dixit became what Madhuri Dixit is. Is that the correct answer? Before I go on. Absolutely, you hit it out of the park. <laughs> I actually thought you'd break into the song. Okay, the way you built it up. <laughs> no, I, I won't put our audience through that. Not yet, at least. I, it was just the fact that I knew it was N Chandra had done Teza. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been able to get it. And I was actually, uh, I was reading up about uh, Teza. There was a question someone had sent me. Okay, and. It was that earlier when Filmfare Awards started, they just gave Filmfare Awards in six categories, which were basically maybe best film director, hero, heroine, and maybe a few others. Right, right. Uh, slowly, as the industry grew, they started giving out awards in many technical sort of areas. Right, right. So that's what happened, and then when Tezab came in, yes, the songs were such a big hit, the choreography was such a big hit. that just to honor saroj khan's work and uh, all the work that she had done with madhuri dikshit they gave an award for best choreography and uh, i think uh, saroj khan herself has won it like half the number of times with the award has been given out or something like that so she won like six in a row or something like that and then otherwise also she won so this is the first time a song was given i think best choreography award but yeah it was ek do teen and i didn't know it was dummy lyrics It's amazing uh, why you said this because uh, that would have been one of the clues that I would have given you. Oh, which is the song was instrumental in creating a new category of awards, which was the best choreography. Okay, so that verifies it. So that makes it. I wasn't sure if the answer would be correct, but yeah, that verifies it. Yes, brilliant, and uh, it's really interesting. I mean, that song mm-hmm. and its reprise. Actually, would establish uh, both Anil Kapoor and uh, Madhuri Dixit as mm. superstars, and it was actually the start of many of their successful pairings. Mm-hmm. I have lost the count of uh, the number of movies in which the, the two starred. I mean, that early '90s period, uh, it was they both they worked together quite a lot. Yes, absolutely. Do you remember? I don't know if that was Madhuri you know, or Shri Devi. Do you remember Roop Ki Rani Choro Ka Raja? <laughs> yes, it was Sri Devi. It's amazing how how our mind goes back to related yeah. movies now. Nineties kids, right? Or eighties kids? Yes. All yes. right. So we move to the next question. Yes. Have you ever wondered why is everyone and their nana, nani, mama, kaka, mummy, papa, everyone is watching the same shows? One month it is Money Heist, another month it is GOT. Then comes MasterChef, then Bridgerton, The Crown, and it keeps going on. See, this is because OTT platforms want you to watch the same shows. Business hub boss, this content is an email newsletter that attempts at breaking this clutter. Handpicked shows, movies, music, podcasts, and reading recommendations just for you for free, straight to your inbox. Subscribe to this content. Link in bio. This is a brilliant story, and well, it goes well with the time we are recording this. We are recording it in the middle of uh, the Olympics. Wow! So I thought this question just fits. It is an Olympics question, and it has to do with Japan. So, are you ready? Yes, yes. So we are talking about an earlier Olympic, 1912. So almost a hundred years, uh, slightly more than that old. And back then, as you can imagine. there wasn't much uh, when it came to you know sports science and things like that yes so japanese athletes tended to have uh, this misguided belief that perspiring made an athlete more tired so they thought if you sweat more then you get tired more for some reason they believed this which is why they refused to drink anything before competing okay one 
Shishu Kanakuri. He is our main protagonist in the story. Shishu Kanakuri, he of course shared this belief and he was a track runner. He was supposed to be running a marathon for presenting Japan at the Sweden Olympics. I'm not sure which city it was in, but uh, it was being yes, held. Yes, I think 1912 would be Stockholm. Yes, then Stockholm must be. So one Shisho Kanakuri shared this belief due to which he barely qualified due to illness but somehow he made a miraculous recovery and made it to the final event now this was the first time that Japan was appearing in such a global event so everyone was looking forward to his performance but Kanakuri from the get go circumstances seemed to conspire against him first of all to get to sweden from japan in those days was not as easy as perhaps it is now it was a long ordeal for him and to add to this there were just two people in the japanese delegation one was kanakuri and then there was one colleague of his and the colleague fell ill so basically it was just kanakuri himself who had to go participate and entire nation's eyes were on him after all of this kanakuri still refused to properly hydrate ensuring that he himself got worse now the day of the event has come the temperatures on that day have said to have soared up to 42 degrees celsius and then there is this pressure of representing his country all eyes on him and all this journey that he has done from japan to sweden and uh, the fact that his uh, colleague is also not there all this pressure he starts this race he starts this marathon but eventually he collapses he collapses on the way and he is taken in by a local family after a while when he recovers he wakes up kanakuri faced a difficult decision should he go to the officials and admit that he had failed or does he travel home incognito without notifying anyone he decides for the latter fearing for his country's reputation as this was their first olympic appearance and the fact that if if he would have gone to the official saying i just passed out it would have meant embarrassment for japan he quietly took off he went back home and it is rather unfortunate that he didn't complete the race because if he would have completed the race or if he would have gone to the officials he would have realized that uh, more than half the entrants in the marathon quit before reaching the finish line oh and one even died because it was that hot so it wasn't him that he wasn't good enough it was that difficult to finish the race but he decided to take matters in his own hand he just quickly and quietly left the country and head back to japan now the officials the race officials when nobody could pinpoint his whereabouts or status kanakuri was declared as missing in sweden and would remain so for more than 50 years wow it wasn't that kanakuri went into hiding kanakuri went back to japan and uh, there was major issues in japan uh, some people said tumne hamari naak kata di and what not he was the best of the lot so he still kept on participating he went to different olympics he represented japan again but somehow people in sweden nobody noticed and all they thought was this person went missing and hence a case was filed and that case would be open for more than 50 years the case of disappearing runner was finally solved in 1967 when tv channel swergis television which i am guessing means swedish television okay tracked the byden 75 year old to tamana kwamamoto prefecture japan where he was enjoying his retirement so this japanese television finally meets this old shisho kanakuri and because of this something happened basically what you have to tell me is what is the significance of kanakuri finally having been found in sweden or rather why is this question even a question why is this all important <laughs> Okay. I know this is not a, a, a usual quiz question where you have to identify something. You have to tell me why <laughs> is this question of mine important? It's a different way of going about things, but yeah, this, this is quite interesting. Amazing story. I'm, I'm still reacting to mm-hmm. how fascinating it is. <laughs> so, yes, is this okay? Is it something to do with uh, maybe some kind of a legend that uh, remained in Sweden and this? Uh, revelation yeah. kind of uh, misled the public so he did become a sort of a thing which would often come up that there is this missing japanese runner it didn't become a legend of sorts but it did sort of get into the sort of collective swedish consciousness of sorts 
Okay. The fact that for five years they've still talked about him, and the fact that after five sorry five decades they still tracked him down to Japan, it was a different thing that they could have just looked into the following Olympics, the upcoming two Olympics, and they would have found him. But yeah, basically that. I can't say I'm clueless. <laughs> You've given me so many clues. I just don't know what to solve. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see your predicament. They found him in. 1967 almost 50 years after his original case of him going missing right right and what they did at that time the swedish at that time in 1960s they wanted to raise funds to send swedish athletes to the 1968 olympics in mexico so they wanted some way of raising funds and uh, that would include getting the attention of world media and that would mean getting some sort of publicity which would attract sponsors to their cause so they needed a gimmick which would get people's attention towards their olympic team and they found the gimmick in shasho kanukuri who had disappeared 50 years ago okay so they created an event around it and that event is of importance okay okay uh maybe now if i'm able to guess what that event is Mm-hmm. and that's that would be your answer is that how it would be something like that yes something on those lines yes 60s uh in sweden and they are trying to raise funds for uh, their athletes to go to yeah. the 68 olympics does it have uh, any bearing to the answer that uh, 1964 olympics happened to be in tokyo we're talking about 1967 and the next olympics is in Okay, Mexico. Okay. 68 is in Mexico, so they want to raise funds for Mexico, and they want gimmick or something that will get the media's attention towards uh, Sweden and Olympics. And they found out that you know Kanakuri is a perfect story for this, so they got a hold of Kanakuri and they built an event around it, and that event got them enough attention. And I think then they went on for the Olympics. It's a great story, but it's a vague question. I can admit to that. <laughs> okay, so did they? I don't know uh, if I'm just guessing mm-hmm. very wildly now. Was this turned into a media story of sorts, where yes, there was a man who walked all the way from Sweden to Japan. It was made into a media story. I'll just give you one hint. What did Shisho Kanakuri actually set out to do? Okay, okay. So was the story doing the rounds was possibly uh, the Japanese who lost his way and continued running and running all the way till Japan <laughs> so uh, that was a joke what you answered was actually a joke that they said that this guy just lost his way and went home okay but what they actually ended up doing they caught hold of him and they requested him to come to Sweden and finish the race and oh. that became such a big event that lot of media attention from people from across the world came to see this event because it is the longest ever olympic marathon lasting 54 years 246 days 5 hours 32 minutes and 20.3 seconds he remained missing Brilliant. for decades and then they finally took him and it was like a ceremony which was said and he crossed the <laughs> finish line and kanakuri although he was made fun of earlier he was so good that they call him the father of marathons in japan so he is looked out as one of the biggest or best athletes in japan and yet he has this dubious record of the longest ever marathon run which is 54 years unbelievable story this is brilliant <laughs> and it's actually very thoughtful they they actually got him to complete the race so yeah, what a beautiful question they they feared that he might think uh, he's being made fun of but uh, once he saw the entire thing and the fact that he is still relevant to them that for 50 years people were actually wondering where did one person go he said okay and uh, yeah it was a big event which was telecast or distributed worldwide and yeah nice story the man who finished an olympics uh, marathon in 54 years it's beautiful it's beautiful unbelievable so and also kanakuri as i said 1912 uh, was this olympics 16 he didn't participate because i don't think 16 was an olympics because of uh, world war 1 yes, or maybe he didn't one. get to go there but he did participate in uh, 1920 in antwerp and 1924 in paris where he did exceptionally well he completed the race at least so yeah that wow. is the answer is the longest marathon ever run 54 years great question great question 
And yeah, I was probably as lost as the Japanese marathon runner. <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps. It was it was quite a marathon effort even to <laughs> make a guess. <laughs> Now it's your turn to ask me a question. So, uh interestingly, uh since you headed off to Japan, so will I. Okay. So but this time it's not really sport. So this is about a car. All right? It's mm-hmm. the Subaru Impreza. Okay. All right. Which is a compact hatchback which has been in the market since 92. Hmm. Okay. So there are many things about the Subaru Impreza that works in its favor. One being great mileage and control. Hmm. And uh, this has supposedly made it very popular in the American market. Mhm. Because of these uh, positive attributes that this car brings. to the road it was chosen for a massive global project which began in 2007 okay and thanks to it becoming the vehicle of choice for this project it was then seen all over the world okay and not every country but a significant part of the world all right okay now what has happened is because it was chosen for this project hmm the car managed to turn many more heads than ever before uh uh-huh. because it was required to adopt a distinct look mhm okay okay so what i want you to guess is what is this global project which has made subaru impreza more recognizable whenever you know it is seen in any neighborhood of the world okay interesting quite interesting so Where is Subaru from actually is it Japan Japanese Subaru is a Japanese company Aha uh-huh. So Impreza came out in 1992 uh it was a hit in America Yes great control great mileage and that was it until 2007 Yes uh you said 2007 it is sort of used on a global scale for a particular project or a particular work Yes that's right and because of that it is sort of become recognizable right that's right yes okay now let me think i don't have a this also one other uh, piece of information which might lead you to the answer hmm its involvement in the project required it to adopt a distinct look oh yeah a distinct look yes so i'm thinking oh, what is a famous car that is recognizable across the world. Okay, my first guess was going to be uh, those from the movies. Is is it have to do something with the movie? Uh no, I think no nothing to do with movies. Oh, I thought it would be one of those cars say back to the future car or some car in some modified form. But then it would be global that I mean, it won't be recognizable everywhere. Yes, yes. I wouldn't probably call it a global project if I was referring to a movie. Hmm, a global project it is so i'm guessing it's some function which this car can do and uh, globally now i'm thinking what can it be it could be a government agency thing that every government could possibly have would have ordered these for some reason or maybe a private entities would have ordered these that i think that could be one way of looking at who has ordered these cars and what modification has been done to these cars that's a really nice line of thinking i'll encourage you to keep thinking hmm let me just tell you it's not a government agency okay so something on a private level has got this uh, subaru impreza and it is sort of universally recognizable on a certain level at least yes so where is it in india if you can give me this hint it's a very very good question uh Okay in in fact this would have been one of my hints mm-hmm. the reason this car is not seen as often in india as it would have been seen elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. uh is because of a government decision is the government uh, decision to do with the mapping of streets or uh, of areas yes yes <laughs> so uh, so this car uh, would have been used for uh, i mean i can imagine the change in it would be that it is fit with the camera and it's somehow to do with maybe google earth or some such technology which is basically mapping the areas and 
mapping lanes and mapping roads or things like that i'll give it to you uh, the answer i was looking for was google street view which is a part of street google view Earth. street view yeah so <laughs> those cars became you know so iconic in the countries that allowed street view Mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Subaru Impreza itself became a very popular uh, car because of its involvement with the Street View project. Ah. So fantastic. I I loved how you clinically went uh, and arrived at the answer. Oh, that is quite interesting. I actually will look up a Subaru Impreza. I didn't know I wouldn't have been able to recognize one if uh, I ever got a chance. It is there's nothing special about it. One of the things that used to happen are pranks around the Google Street View. So people would await the Google Street View and make faces when it passed them. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm sure the the editors at Google had a tough time stitching together those images. <laughs> oh, by the way, in India, you mentioned do you yeah. happen to know is it I know for a fact that on Google Earth certain areas have been restricted so you can't um, maybe look at Yes, your parliament and uh, Rashtrapati Bhavan and all. But uh, for this street view, has it? Is there a blanket ban on street view, or is it some parts? Is it open? They did something of the sort where heritage sites mm-hmm. allowed to have you know uh, certain areas within the purview of street view. Okay, so one could actually uh, you know go on a visit that walk through. Yes, of. a place like let's say the taj mahal or sites like those but mm-hmm. uh, the reason they did not want to allow street view to look into every street in india is for security reasons kind of makes sense at a certain level but yeah and uh, this was around 2016 when it was officially communicated that uh, the indian government would not go ahead with google street view project that is quite interesting and i didn't know it was one car which was used all over the place yeah. it is quite interesting talking about cars i have a question related to cars of sorts actually with on the road is what we'll call it okay shall we start with the next question yes yes so this is australia this is uh, one strip of road okay between the towns of Balladonia and Kaiguna Balladonia and Kaiguna are two towns which are separated by almost 150 kilometers and this is just wilderness all around so there is nothing really to see and thing about this road is it doesn't even have a single turn for 150 kilometers oh wow making it one of the longest straight such stretches of road in the world okay now Imagine if you had to drive 150 kilometers without a left without a right with nothing to look on either side something called as driver's fatigue can set in and that can be a real danger for motorists on the road right if people get bored of driving straight driving straight you don't have to do anything on a constant speed you're just going maybe you have a you know you just fall asleep for a few seconds or maybe just go bored and look around and until then some accident happens so it kept happening the fact that the road was so straight that people get getting distracted or worse falling asleep so what the local council stated to fight this problem of people uh, getting this fatigued or uh, getting fatigued or uh, getting their attention diverted basically what they did was they put up prominent signboards across this 150 km stretch okay and these signboards came in pairs So there was something for the drivers to look at, okay, and something to take away from the journey. So basically, when they're driving the straight road, there would be these signboards which would come up after a particular distance, and they would be usually in pairs. And that is how people would cross the distance. They would just keep an eye out for this. It would be something, as I said, it was something to take away from the journey. so they would remember this and it became quite a internet sensation on reddit twitter travel blogs a lot of people have started putting up these signboards ka picture what you have to tell me is what is so special about these signboards that people can't help but wait for them look out for them or keep an eye out for them okay okay so you said this is in australia right yes and uh, 
which state of Australia that doesn't uh, really help. I don't know the state actually. I just know the towns are Baladonia and Kaigona. So it could be any two places. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I was just thinking, mm-hmm. I mean, the principle uh, that like every signboard was probably a cliffhanger to the next one. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to think of it. Okay. Uh, did these signboards actually narrate a story of sort? No. Were they like a comic strip? Uh, no. You see one panel and then the next panel? No. So they were in pairs. Okay. Can you connect the cliffhanger story to these signboards being in pairs? Okay. Uh, it was to get people's attention and it did get people's attention. And they, they were in pairs. After this, I'll give you a hint, which will just be too easy, which will just make it all too easy. But let's uh, see if let we can just give another yeah, crack at just, it. Yeah. Did they catch their attention because they were visually strong? No, no, not really. I mean, I don't think so. There was a visual thing element to them. All right. Let me tell you the answer. You know about this thing. You are pretty good at this thing, if I can say that. Oh, and we just met. Like <laughs> this is the first conversation, or maybe the second or third conversation we're having. Is it some advertising campaign? Oh no! Shall I give out a big hint? Give me a hint, please. I really want to crack something. <laughs> what are we doing right now? Oh, so this was the holdings were like a trivia contest where a question would be followed by an answer. The question would be followed by an answer. So they would read a question, oh. then they would wait a certain while, then an answer would be kept. And these were all questions related to Australia, Australian history, Australian geography and everything. So while they're on the road, they're playing a quiz. Outstanding, outstanding. <laughs> you never expect a quiz to be an answer in a quiz. <laughs> quiz is the answer. They were quizzing on the road. Oh, wow. This is incredible. I so want to drive by this road right now. <laughs> I can imagine, right? Yes, beautiful. Very nice question. Thank you so much. That question came from Arisha, so props to Arisha for that question. Uh, yes, a big shout out to her. Uh, good one, Anisha. Okay, so uh, we'll move to the next question. Yes, absolutely. And uh, this time, it would be on sports. Okay. I must, you know, warn you in advance mm-hmm. that this is one of those legend hazard type of questions. Hmm. No, it's not been verified, uh, you know, with evidence and all that, but it makes for a really good story and a, and a very good quiz question, if I can say so myself. All right. Sounds good. So in the early decades of the 20th century, when football started becoming the most popular sport in South America. Hmm. The fanatic crowds that showed up for local derbies made a radio commentator's job really tough. Okay, so think about it. In those days, technology being as minimal as it was, mm-hmm. uh, what used to happen is a radio commentator's seating position would be fairly, it wasn't exactly strategic. Mm-hmm. Like he would see an ocean of uh, fans ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So every time a goal was scored and people were celebrating, the commentator would be at a loss to figure who scored the goal. Okay. So much so that he would have to wait a confirmation from these designated spotters. Okay. So I assume uh, the spotters would then, you know, uh, make finger gestures and say number three. So, oh, so the player wearing number three has scored the goal and that would be his cue for announcement. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, this created a delay in announcing the goal for a radio commentator. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason he would do this is so that he doesn't announce incorrectly. Fair enough. Which would be a bigger problem. Now, here is the legend. The legend has it that origin of a now popular practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is synonymous with uh, broadcasters in South America. And now even the rest of the world okay. comes from these challenges that radio commentators faced early in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So even today, 
when you know we have such amazing broadcast technology available to us yeah commentators still perform this popular practice i think i might have a guess and this might explain something that has been bothering me for a long long time if it is the right answer okay okay so is it why some commentators especially in certain parts of the world as you mentioned south america and at times even in uh middle eastern or uh, mediterranean football matches when a goal is scored they go on a way extremely like goal and they just keep on repeating goal for a long duration and then they say who it is or about a great goal it is but the goal is stretched out to maybe 20 30 seconds is this the time that they were buying until the spotter would tell them who scored the goal brilliant i have a feeling your your <laughs> your own <laughs> broadcast experience has given you this idea that's splendid aditya brilliant answer it's so amusing and it's so it used to bother me every time you uh, look at uh, spanish even spanish football games you look at la liga yes. games at times and if there is a foreign coverage and especially at times uh, when you didn't have at least i didn't have the proper internet connections and i was be using uh, some online connection which is in a language that i can't understand especially highlights it is yes, a common yes. feature that they would just go and extend the goal for a half a minute <laughs> ah that <laughs> so it really makes sense now right uh, i mean think about it uh, he at least announces it immediately the minute the goal happens and you know because of his history on x of course crowds are excited because there is a goal yeah. and there is a anticipation to for when he stops and announces who scored the goal <laughs> all these years of watching football and suddenly it just makes sense like why were these guys shouting these names or just saying goal no 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 for such a long duration <laughs> oh that is that is just so brilliant and you are in fantastic form today uh, it's one of those days when everything <laughs> that you touch or every tukka that you have hits the bullseye you should send me to olympics Yes, absolutely. All right. So now, Sudhir, we move to the last uh, stage of this quiz. And before we get to the last stage, uh, okay. I would like to remind our audience that if they have enjoyed this session so far, if they've enjoyed all this quizzing so far, uh, they can donate to help this podcast grow. Uh, what they, ha- uh, if they would be interested in it, the links are in the bio. They can go on Instamojo. You can go on PayPal. You can do a UPI uh, donation. and if you're not sure how much to donate well any and every penny is uh, well it definitely helps so it's totally up to you you can buy us a coffee you can buy us a biryani as i like to call it and uh, with that let's move to the final stage which is the audience questions so sudhir here has a question with him and he will be asking a question which you as an audience member can answer you can let us know over social media and uh, our social media is uh, at the rate quiz time india on facebook and instagram so you can go to those uh, social media platforms and find us at the rate quiz time india you can send in uh, whatever answers you think uh, is the correct answer or you can also go to at the rate studio 41 podcast studio 41 on twitter facebook instagram and clubhouse because you can dm there also so if you have an answer please uh, let us know so sudhir over to you Tell us the audience question. Yes. So here's a question about a work of art which has experienced a fair amount of wear and tear, which requires the the museum which hosts it to invest in a lot of repair and maintenance. The first such recorded cleaning of the work was in 1809, which was a simple wash and re-varnishing. Another. Such incident was in 1906 when a team of experts performed watercolor retouches on areas that were disturbed by a crack in the panel. Then there was also another correction that was made in 1913 which was needed because there was a theft. So this correction was needed after the painting was recovered. The same team were asked to touch up areas where there were several scratches uh, with the watercolor there were two public attacks on this painting in the 50s so again a restorer had to touch up the damage which was done to the subject's left elbow 
in 1977 this painting suffered a insect infestation and uh, now there was a lot of such uh, you know a repair work that was being done eventually in 2005 the painting was moved to a more secure location and it was enclosed in a climate controlled case within a bulletproof glass so the question is name this high maintenance painting which usually disappoints those who see it for the first time all right so what you have to do is tell us which is this high maintenance painting and uh, i think there are many clues in there uh, one clue definitely stood out for me that the fact that this painting was stolen i think i might be on the right track on the, with that one but if you happen to know what it is let us know uh, the social media handle as i mentioned podcast studio 41 and at the rate quiz time india and with that we bring this episode to an end sudeer thank you so much for taking out the time thank you so much for picking out all these questions i'm really grateful that you came on the show i enjoyed this session i'm pretty sure our audience will too thank you so much aditya and it was lovely quizzing with you absolutely let's hope we get to do this uh, in person sometime until then we'll always have the podcast cheers look forward to it that brings us to the end of the episode the podcast was hosted and produced by me aditya and the questions were researched and said by anisha keshav rishab madhavan vinayak and ananda this episode was edited by pranjal gupta major credit to them all Remember you as an audience can support us by contributing to the podcast you can donate to keep the show running you can go to www.instamojo.com/@studio41 or you can go to www.paypal.me/studio41pod contribute whatever amount you like no amount is less and every penny counts the links are in the description and if in case you cannot donate but you want to help out you can definitely share this podcast with your friends and family put it up on social media that could be a big help that will be all for today thank you for your time you can thank me for mine goodbye